Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra, and so grateful that you're here with me today, as always. I can't believe the show is almost at 100 episodes. I have just been on this kick, right, of interviewing such amazing people that I was starting to draft up the episodes and get them ready to air, and I was just like, oh my gosh, we're at 96 I still have a few um, in the archives that I really want to record and get out. Um, And then episode 100, I'm going to try my best to have it be a super, super special surprise guest for you all. Um, That will be a huge milestone. I am just so proud of this show and I'm so proud um, of the way that it's grown and it's helped me grow. You know, first and foremost, I created this podcast as a means to to sort of get my life lessons out there and to um, be heard in my own my own unique way and in turn it's it's really been a really beautiful community that's been built I hear from you guys often um, that you can relate to something I've said or that you've been through the same thing or you um, were able to take in a new perspective and that is what is so amazing about podcasts and I pinch myself often that this is something that I get to do and that I get to air episodes every single week. It is so therapeutic for me. I hope it's equally as therapeutic for you to listen to these episodes every Wednesday. Um, Consistency has not always been my strong suit. Uh, That kind of lies in with boundaries that I've set for myself and when I'm feeling heavy and emotional or maybe I just don't have something to say. I never want to force those things. So it's been really fun that um, it has felt nourishing and um, the consistency, excuse me, has been there every Wednesday. So this week is really exciting. We have Johanna Bogart on the show, who is a life coach specializing in freeing yourself from people-pleasing. I love this topic so much. We all know how passionate I feel about boundaries and just self-awareness as a whole, and this episode is really just so beautiful. As you'll come to hear as you listen to the episode, Johanna really breathes and lives her message. It's so freeing to talk to her um, about this subject as a whole because her perspective is really so impactful. I learned so much from this episode, and whether you are a man, whether you are a woman, non-binary, what have you, if you are a human being, we all suffer from a little bit of people-pleasing, and what really opened my eyes with Johanna and talking with Johanna was that I didn't realize how much I was doing it, how much I was in this people-pleasing state of mind. And so I really encourage you to give this a undistracted listen. Maybe you're going for a walk in nature or maybe you're in your car or something like that. Um, I would really try and give this your undivided attention. You aren't going to want to miss a beat. I promise. It's so good. And quickly before we segue into the episode, I have a surprise coming for you guys and I could not be more excited. Going back to boundaries again, going back to people pleasing, 
I am joining forces with the amazing Amanda Blair, who has been on the podcast before, two times actually. She and I have just stayed in touch and we really um, relate so much in our messages. We both feel so, so passionate about boundaries and really talking about our own and helping others. Amanda is a relationship coach specializing in boundaries. And I do a lot of boundary work here with the Calm Collective. So we decided to join forces and we are launching an online course very, very soon. Please keep your eye out. You're not going to want to miss it. It's so affordable, so attainable, and it's packed with so much information that no doubt will transform your life. Again, Amanda is a sought after relationship coach who specializes in this subject alone. So the fact that she is giving all of her information um, and some of her own personal relationship and boundary struggles and triumphs is just really special and just a unique way to introduce a course. We do it in podcast form. So I am so excited for you to hear it. Um, I will talk more about that in the next couple of weeks. For now, let's segue into the episode with Johanna Bogart. Hi, Johanna. Welcome to the show. I know we had some scheduling conflicts, and I'm so grateful for the flexibility and just glad that we were able to finally align because your message and your work, in my opinion, is just so powerful and so important. So let's start there. Can you talk a bit about what it is that you do and perhaps just share your mission statement behind the work that you do? Yes. Thank you, Cassandra. I'm so happy to be here, and I love your podcast. Thank you. I... I work with, you know, I used to say I work with women who want to free themselves with people pleasing. Mm -hmm. I'm realizing that I really work with anyone who wants to free themselves with people pleasing. I've just seen it more and it's women are socialized more, but also anyone who grew up as a woman, trans men, non-binary people, we all have been socialized into people pleasing. So that's why I'm here is because I've seen how deeply it impacted my life Mm. and kept me from healing. I was reading self-help books and listening to podcasts and going to therapy, but the real issue was people-pleasing. And so I want as many people as possible to hear about this. Mm, That is so, so good. So I want to read something that you posted on Instagram by Frederico Garcia Lorca. It said... To burn with desire and keep quiet about it is the greatest punishment we can bring on ourselves. I know what that means to me, but I'm so curious as to what this message means to you, someone who is so deeply ingrained in this work. Thank you for that question. Oh, yeah, I think people-pleasing keeps us from connecting to our true selves, and it's really about compromising or betraying yourself to gain the approval of others Mm. and what so often happens is inside we're burning with uh and you're familiar with this anxiety Mm -hmm. or we're burning with anger or we're burning with shame and we just keep pushing it down because we think that if I just play by the rules if I just figure out what everyone is wanting from me if I just do it the way people have suggested I'll get to my desires Mm. my the way the path to what I need is through other people that's what we've been taught especially Mm -hmm. as women yes and it's codependent what we have to learn is to truly, and what I've had to learn is to truly start with what I need and to trust my own desires as having their own 
unique intelligence as opposed to needing to rest on the intelligence of others to give me stability. Oh my gosh, you are speaking to my past self like two years ago and it hurts. I just want to hug her listening to you talk like that. One thing too for me that comes up when you were saying that is the resentment piece. Like I know for me, I can go from anxiety to maybe a little bit of anger, but more so living in this like big cloud of resentment towards the person or the people or the job. Um, And that makes it so much more messy because then I, like you said, the shame creeps in on top of the resentment because I'm like, I'm not allowed to be mad. I did this to myself. And that's a really hard pickle to get out of. Yes. Yeah. Do you have any tips for people who just ways to be kinder to themselves when they find themselves in that resentment piece rather than going down that shame spiral? How can we be a little bit more gentle with ourselves? Oh, hell yeah. Yes. Mm. I would say that's a great question because people-pleasing is like, um, a self-fulfilling prophecy or it's mm, like a cruel yeah. loop where the more we try to get love from other people, the more we can't have it and the more we want it and the more we go after it. And so coming back to actually learning how to give love to yourself, it sounds so cliche, but it's true. It's cycle. And one way to do this is to actually use the Hopo Ono practice hopo ono ono hawaiian practice have you mm, heard of this i the haven't forgiveness practice no it's um so i like the version that tara brock practices oh i love her she's a meditation okay great you know yeah so i love what she practices which is essentially to connect to the resentment or the shame in yourself and to say to yourself and that part of you I'm sorry, Mm. as in, I'm sorry you're going through this. I'm sorry that this is happening. I love you. Thank you. Mm. And what this usually does, for me at least, and for my clients, is it it stops you from spiraling into, like, um, manipulation or control or damage control, trying to get everyone to see you in a certain way, and helps you come back to giving yourself the validation and comfort that you're trying to get other people to give you. And just one other thing I'll say with resentment is so often we have, we've created invisible contracts in our heads. Like, I'm going to do this for you so that you do this for me because we're trying to get other people to meet our needs. We don't feel like we have the right to meet our own needs. So what is really helpful there? Well, one, it's to start to practice meeting your own needs, but also when you do do something for someone else and you're not getting it back from them the way you want and the resentment is building to actually just thank yourself. Yeah. Like if you're making dinner for your partner every night because you're on some specific like whole 30 plan and you're like, but why can't my partner just at least make one of the meals anyway, then you can just say to yourself, thank you. Thank you for showing up for your body. And also thank you for loving your partner in this way Mm. and for not making it a thing as opposed to trying to get that from somebody else. Oh my gosh, that is so, so well said. I'm like sitting over here nodding my head back and forth. I love that so much. So this work that you do, this message that you spread, it's powerful and it's big and it carries a lot of force behind it. I think when we hear people pleasing, we're just like, yeah, whatever. But for anyone who's new to Johanna, even just her Instagram alone packs such a punch and you're forced to just like look at yourself 
you know, like really, really take a deep look at yourself. Like, how am I doing these things? How am I showing up? And usually with work like this, there comes a feeling of personal experience or there come, there comes personal experience. So is this true for you? And if so, can you share how this became your calling and maybe experience that experiences that you've had in your past where you were like, enough is enough. This has to change. Oof, yes. So, you know, I think that there's the macro and the micro. So macro, I'm a woman. So I've been socialized by sexism, by patriarchy to take care of others, to prioritize everyone else's needs. But then on a micro level, my personal life, um, it's really shown up in clothes. I'm (laughs) embarrassed to say, even I used to live in New York when I was like 23, I had to go to therapy. Well, I didn't have to, I, I, I chose to Mm -hmm. gleefully because I love self-help, but I went and I was like, I, I'm changing my outfit seven times a day. I'm packing three outfits Mm -hmm. to go to work so that I can change because I had this obsessive, uh, if I look the right way, I will belong. People will see me as a New Yorker. People will see me as legitimate and successful and people will love me, Mm. which, you know, and I, and I kept thinking, maybe they just need to see me in a different outfit. Maybe I just need to wear something different. And I would, you know, it would show up in anxiety. Like I would just be crawling out of my skin, wanting to take my clothes off, wanting to change what I was wearing, Mm. just convinced something about what I, what I was doing wasn't working. And my therapist helped me understand codependence, which I think is a very um, legitimate, but also clinical and intimidating kind of version of people pleasing. Yeah. Where people pleasing, I think we all have it to some extent, and it's actually a lot easier to change than some of those deeper rooted codependent tendencies, but the, I, the core is the same, which is that I was giving all my power away and asking everyone else to decide if I was valid and if I was worthy. And I actually ended up moving to Ecuador from New York. And honestly, I, I took essentially my entire life's worth of clothing to Ecuador to go backpacking. And I couldn't mm. put on my backpack um, without putting it against a wall because it was so heavy. It was right. very metaphorical. Yeah, <laughs> very honestly. physical, the whole baggage issue. Mm-hmm. And I just, throughout South America, was just giving my clothes away in hostels, you know, to other mm-hmm. girls traveling, take this, take this, until I was down to literally a 40-liter pack. It was just five shirts, a couple pairs of pants and some shorts. And um, that was that was what really freed me and showed me there's another way to live. Oh my gosh. I, well, the first thing, like listening to you tell that story, I just kept thinking like, oh, she must have felt so exhausted every day. Like not even just from changing her outfits all the time, but just like mentally so heart heavy. And just like, I know usually it's a little bit subconscious, you know, like that those feelings are tucked away, but just from an outsider's perspective, it just like, that weight and that baggage of just caring so much about what other people think can be so heavy and daunting. Yes. Yes. It is heavy and daunting. It made me avoid my apartment because I knew if I went home, I would spend an hour trying to find something new to wear. Mm -hmm. And it really, it's so deeply 
in your perspective, right. but you don't actually even see in your filtered world. And, you know, a big example of this is mind reading. Like, people pleasers mind read uh, so much. Like, I think I know what everyone's thinking. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think they don't like my outfit, so I'm going to change it, but I'm convinced. And we don't realize we're mind reading wrong. Like, just because we're tuning into other people's facial expressions and body language, we think we know what they think. And the truth is we don't. Yeah. We have just gotten so good at focusing on everyone else that we've convinced ourselves we're drawing the right conclusions. So it's incredibly liberating to realize, wait, I have no idea what other people are thinking. And it's actually doesn't matter (laughs) at all. Totally. It actually is none of my business. Yeah. And then coming back into myself and I, I started this practice of asking myself, okay, what am I thinking? What mm-hmm. am I thinking? Because I, I can't know, I can't be in someone else's mind and mine at the same time. So that has been really therapeutic for me as well. Yeah. And it's literally not our business what other people think about us. It really isn't. And that's something yeah. I, I try to remind myself of that all the time. <laughs> Yes, it's not, it's not our business and, um, it's, it's not going to help us. No, (laughs) it's not going to help. And on that subject of you sharing that story and your experience, I wanted to read something else that you wrote because it stuck with me for so long after, and it still gives me chills. And I think it goes perfectly along with what you were just saying. So, um, Johanna said, imagine getting dressed in the morning without considering what others will think of your outfit. Imagine stating bold opinions without fearing blowback. Imagine actually dancing like nobody's watching. Imagine feeling like you can handle rejection and judgment. Imagine not needing everybody to like you. Imagine going after big goals for yourself. Imagine speaking the truth because you know what your truth is. Imagine loving yourself so much that when you look in the mirror, you just want to hug that woman or person. (laughs) So, whoa, I don't even know where to start, but what's so powerful to think about is that it's so much more about interpersonal freedom, which you talk about a lot, than it is about the standard definition of people-pleasing, right? So here you're saying you deserve to do whatever the fuck feels good to you in your life, full stop, period, the end. Yes, thank you. I'm going to put that on my website. (laughs) You deserve to do what feels you, full stop. Yes, and we... We don't even realize we're not even in the equation when we are people pleasing because we are so deeply attuned to everyone else. But when you come home to yourself and you start to notice, what do I want? I remember in my coaching certification, um, one of the instructors was coaching me and she asked me, what do you dream for yourself in a year? And I told Mm -hmm. her and she was like, what about in two years? And I felt terrified. I was like, I don't even want to go there or imagine it or say because it's out of it's it's not possible. And I don't even have the right Mm. because my I I haven't gotten permission from the world because in people pleasing, it's all about seeking permission. It's all about making sure, like, can I wear this outfit? Could I go to school? Do you guys think I should text him back? Instead of just asking yourself and what you get, what you said so beautifully, that internal freedom, what you get from actually going inward and trusting yourself is just a sense of grounding that you cannot get from anyone outside of you. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And just like the exhausting, exhaustive question of just like, am I making other people uncomfortable? And it's like, the end of the day, the only thing that matters is if you are, like you said, truly at home with yourself, can you tap into yourself and feel safe there? And I think when we're in a state of people pleasing, it's the opposite. We're like running away from ourselves towards other people. Who are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it cut out for a second. Oh, okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay. Yes, we're running away from ourselves and towards other people. And it's gotten me into romantic relationships where Mm -hmm. I don't even want to be in the relationship, but I want the other person to want to be in the relationship with me. Whoa. And I don't, you know, I don't even know that that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, in the heyday of my Tinder lifestyle in New York, just my whole focus on first, second dates was just get them to like me. It wasn't like, do I like them? Do I have chemistry? Do I feel, like you said, do I feel safe and comfortable in my body? And it wasn't until I'd had a relationship where I just had very intense anxiety for the entire year we were together and broke up that I went on a date with a new guy, felt such intense anxiety that reminded me of that old relationship. And I was like, oh, maybe this is actually a signal from my body that this guy is like that other one was mm-hmm. as opposed to in the past where I've just been like, maybe my anxiety needs to go away so that I can get this man. Mm-hmm. It was right. Like, oh, maybe my body, maybe these physical sensations are here to help me. Right. So for the listener who's hearing this and who needs to hear this, what are a few things that they can do right now today to work on breaking the people pleasing cycle? Yes. Okay. Great question. One thing you can do today is just start to ask yourself throughout the day, what do I think Mm. when you are, when you're trying to mind read, like, for example, let's say you are learning to ride a bike. People are watching you and you're like, oh my God, they must think I'm such an idiot. Mm. I'm 30 years old. I should know how to ride a bike. And then you ask yourself, okay, what do I think? I think it's actually really fun what I'm doing right now I think it's badass I'm trying this um at 30 and I think I'm doing pretty well for my first day Mm -hmm. and that alone is so stabilizing to come back to like your own perspective and to champion yourself in the moment right another thing that you can do is to actually write throughout the day um the moments when you are self-critical so like um, why did you say that? Why are you wearing that? That was such a stupid idea. I can't believe you ate that. Whatever it is, mm. you write it down. And at the end of the day, you go back over each item. And next to what you, your self-critical thought, you channel your higher self and respond. So why did you eat that? And you write next to it because I was really hungry. And I was between two interviews. Mm. So it's all I had time to do. Or like, why did I wear that? It's like, because I wanted to feel good today. Or I didn't want to spend a lot of time. So you just, and these don't all have to be questions that you answer. Mm -hmm. But the idea is to remind yourself that there's two parts of you at all times. There's always going to be this ego part Mm -hmm. that's trying to protect you and keep your armor on. But there's a deeper, vaster self that you also can connect to. And when we people please, we think other people have to play that role in our lives, the role of reassurance and validation. 
and approval, but you can actually start to invite yourself into that role in your own life. Mm, I love that so much. So I think so much of our people-pleasing desire, if you will, really stems from our childhood as well. So I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on that, like how we were raised, who who we were surrounded by, the message we were given to about like what's good or bad, especially as women. Um, so how do you feel like childhood plays into our people-pleasing desires? Yes, totally, totally. I... I think that being a woman is a huge part of it, as you just said. And for myself, at least, I'll use my own experience as an example. I was raised in a super Christian home, and I was raised um, as a homeschooler. So I was homeschooled. Mm. And then the religious aspect of it, and this isn't true for all religions, but the way I was raised, it was very much like you earn love. You what? God wants you to do, and that's how you earn God's love. Even though technically God's personal, there were a lot of conditions mm. in the way I was raised. And that is, a, that is the core belief of people-pleasers, is I earn love. Like, love isn't freely given. I have to act a certain way to get it. And when we think of love that way, we actually only experience love as conditional, which is very lonely and exhausting. Mm. And another, so I was homeschooled. So then I went went to actually a public high school. Uh, that's when my weirdness, my dysfunction <laughs> around clothes really began mm. because I wasn't used to wearing a new outfit every day, like right. in a public arena. Yeah. And there were so many aspects of trends and being cool and what it says about your your social class and what it says, um, about your, you know, savvy that I had, I had no idea what I was doing. And so I think that also, if you've ever been in a situation, especially as a young person, where you are forced to try to belong, where you weren't born into a space of belonging, but you have to find your belonging, you're going to have your antennas out. Like Mm. what are the rules for Mm -hmm. belonging here? How do I create a solid, acceptable identity with this so that I can belong because, you know, that's one of our core needs as human beings. So true. Yeah. So here's a blunt question that just came to my mind. It's a weird, (laughs) it's a weird question, but I think it deserves to be answered. And I think you're the right person to answer it. But if you can think about it, what is the worst possible thing that could happen to a person who doesn't claim themselves, their inner freedom and continues to people please their way through life what is the outcome of that kind of a life Hmm. okay so I'll just give you a blunt answer it's the first thing that came to me I think that's soul suicide Mm. I think that I think you are slowly I think you are putting your your true self in an, a little isolation chamber forever, mm-hmm. and it's you're going to, you know, wake up one day and you'll have this beautiful life on paper, great career, probably making good money, probably in a long term relationship. Maybe you have a puppy, <laughs> uh, and you're going to feel really empty because Mm -hmm. you followed everyone else's rules for how to create a good life. And you didn't, you'd never checked in with yourself and there will be a a lot of disconnect. Like 
and anger. Like, why is this not working? Why am I not happy? What's wrong with me? And the only thing that's wrong is that it's not what you want. Oh my gosh. Wait, say that again. So someone is saying, what is wrong with me? And you're saying nothing. You're just not doing what you want to do. Oh my gosh. That like gave me full body chills. Someone's saying, what is wrong with me? Why can't I enjoy my life? It's so good. I should be grateful. And the issue is it's just not what you want. Oh, that's so, 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 so true. I love that. It almost makes me want to cry for the person who gets to hear this episode and just have that resonate so deeply. I love that. Thank you for saying that. So... Something else, too, that when I think about the work that you do, and as I've gotten even deeper into it after finding you, I have this, like, visual of someone who just started smoking cigarettes. So you think of that person smoking cigarettes, no judgment, but just, oh, wow, if they keep doing that, they could get cancer. But we don't tend to have the same projections for less than ideal behavioral habits that can also completely alter our mental health and well-being. So why is that? Where is the disconnect between like a physical symptom like cancer from smoking cigarettes, doing something bad to a behavior which alters our mental well-being and mental health? Mm, Yes. I think one huge difference is that we have been taught that cigarettes are bad for us. And we've also been taught that changing ourselves for love is good for us. True. Like we are, we are playing by society's rules and we are, we're doing it really well. It's just that those rules aren't actually set up to serve us. Mm -hmm. What are a few, what are just like a few examples within your own life where you basically, where you give society the middle finger? Are there like (laughs) a few standout places where you're like, nope, don't care. Not listening to that. Oh, I love that question. (laughs) Okay. Let me think. I... I live in Mexico, mm-hmm. so I'm given I'm given U.S. foreign policy the middle finger. <laughs> Fair. Uh, I'm in a I'm in a relationship with a Mexican, and on a on a little scale, I'm in an expat community mm-hmm. in the town I live in, and so there's there's racism mm-hmm. and there is classism in the expat community and sometimes when i talk to other people who've moved here from other countries there's this sense of like oh you know the way they do the roads here or the way the government works here there's this judgment about mexico there's this assumption that like we are doing it well here but look at that country Mm. and how they do things and the people pleaser in me wants to just be like yeah yeah I get what you mean I get what you mean and go along because I'm conflict avoidant I don't want to do something that will cause discomfort that Mm -hmm. will make the person dislike me that will put me at risk of not belonging but what I what I have practiced more and more is saying I'm not really with that I don't really agree I don't see that that's Mm. not my perspective Mm -hmm. And, and, and trusting, uh, create from being stronger and more valuable. Yeah. That is so amazing. I love that. I just, even just like the way that you said that too, like, that's not my perspective. I might borrow that or I don't see it that way because you're not disregarding what they, what they have said and their thoughts, which I think is a very important thing for people who are conflict avoidant, myself included, you know, you're not shutting down their perspective. You're just saying that isn't mine. We don't share it. And that's okay. Yes, but yes, yeah. exactly. And it's so beautiful to discover 
that you can be in relationships that are codependent where you don't have to agree on everything. Yeah. And you know, you can actually just each other like yeah we see life differently totally yeah and you know what's so interesting is that I actually was I was like sitting in I have my dad's old recliner chair I love that chair I swear just like magic happens when it comes to writing for me when I sit in that (laughs) chair I was sitting there this morning and I I did know we were having this conversation but like I just kind of wrote to write and then looked and reread what I wrote and it was basically about your happiness is not anyone else's responsibility And once I read it, I was like, oh, my God, you know, this conversation, this human who I'm about to have a conversation with so perfectly aligns up with that belief of, you know, we cannot put our happiness in the hands of anyone else. It is purely our responsibility. And that in itself is actually freeing. When you hear that out loud, it might feel like a lot of work or a lot of personal responsibility, but it's actually complete freedom to be in control of your own happiness. Oh my gosh, yes. And it's so galvanizing. Mm-hmm. It's like, so now do do you. Yep. Now go for it. Say it. Feel mm-hmm. it. Because no one's coming to save you. No right. one's going to take you to happiness. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So, and the opposite is true. No one can bring you to darkness either. If you are in full control of your life, it just doesn't, like like you said, that's just not my perspective. I don't see it that way. I'm not going that way. Um, yeah, I think that's also beautiful. And in relation to that, you talk a lot about switching from control to trust. So can you talk about that a bit more? Like, what does that mean exactly? Oh, yeah, I was actually just thinking that same wavelength. Um, so, so often, I feel as a people pleaser controlled by others. Mm. They say something, I have to go along with it. They Mm -hmm. need something from me, I have to give it. And because of that, I also feel like I have the right to control them. Like, you should do it because I want it. You should be hungry because I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. If I'm trying to meet my needs through other people, I actually have to control them to get my own needs met. And I might not want to admit that to myself, but that's how it ends up being at the end of the day. And, you know, if I am changing myself for love I'm controlling love Mm. I'm manipulating my image to get people to you know quote unquote love me it's not true love Mm -hmm. trust trust is about saying I'm going to be myself and those who give me love are doing it of their own volition I'm going to I'm going to ask my partner what they what their political view is, knowing it's a charged topic that really matters to me. And I'm going to let my partner have their opinion Mm. instead of saying, you actually can't say that. Mm. You actually can't say that. And that's not to say that you have to stay with someone who who hurts you or has a totally different perspective, but allowing people to show up as who they truly are instead of saying, no, you actually have to be who I need. Mm -hmm. And you have to You have to move through life the way I need because that's what I'm going to do for you. So you owe it to me. And how often do we do that where we're like, no, just tell me the truth. And then they tell us the truth and we're like, what (laughs) the fuck? Yeah, that's so true (laughs) and such a regular occurrence for humans, I swear. It's like we think that we want to know the truth, but we want to know the truth if it's within (laughs) our comfort level. (laughs) And so so much of all of this is about comfort levels. It's about really is like, really, I say a lot that people pleasing is a discomfort management style. It's just how do I make a white lie? 
or explain my boundary Mm -hmm. or ask permission so that I feel safe and comfortable so Mm -hmm. that I never have to put myself so that I never even give someone the option to reject me. Mm -hmm. It's so important, I think, in a relationship to know that your partner could leave you because that means they're staying because they like you. Yeah. Otherwise, if you're pulling all of these strings, if you're making them financially dependent on you, and if you're making them feel guilty, you're actually not even giving the option of loving you. And so you're not even really getting to receive the rich love that they have. Oh my gosh, I could not resonate and believe that more. So this conversation just keeps like beautifully segueing into the next topic that I want to talk to. So the next thing that I did want to bring up were close relationships. So when it comes to people pleasing, because I think on the surface, when you think about releasing that pattern, okay, let's say on social media, right? Or when you're on the street with a bunch of strangers, that feels somewhat doable. It doesn't feel as scary to kind of say, fuck it, I'm not going to people please. But when it comes to our family and our close friends, like our deep, close inner circle, that to me can feel incredibly uncomfortable and even be a painful experience to say no and to show up as our true selves after years and years and decades of being this person who will give the shirt off their back. And I just wonder, have you had to release yourself of friendships or you know, familial relationships once you started fully accepting yourself and releasing control or did your relationships end up strengthening or maybe it's a both and? Oh yeah. Yes. It is a both and for sure. I have had to make myself a lot more exposed Mm. in my relationships before it was either like, I want you in my life, so I will do anything to keep you here and maybe resent you on some level, but I'm just going to be as open and available and as a good a listener and as kind as possible. Mm. And then there were people who I felt I can't handle it. I can't play that role for them to the extent that I think I should have to. And so I would burn the bridge. I would reject them. I wouldn't even give them the chance to see me fully and have the option of liking me that way. Mm. I was like, I can't, I can't people please you to the extent that's comfortable for me. So I just won't. Mm. And now I have found this place where I'm able to have more honest conversations across the board, like with family members. Um, Before I just felt resentment. And now I can say, I feel this when you do that, which is why I'm doing this. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and actually, it's incredible how much less defensive I feel when my family members come back and respond because I'm actually being honest, so there's nothing to defend. Oh, Whereas that's before, so true. when it was all an image, so there was all of these things I had to do to uphold it. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Well, what advice would you give to the people who are feeling trapped within their personal relationships in a way of not wanting to disappoint anyone. So where can they start to unravel that rope around their wrists? Yeah. Where can they start? I would start extremely small, start Mm. extremely, extremely small. Mm -hmm. Like you do not run a marathon tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You run it like five months from now after starting training tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And the same is true for, you know, emotional healing. Mm -hmm. This isn't something that you want to traumatize yourself with. So I would say be super gentle and actually be 
start by being your full self with the people you really trust to love you anyway, mm-hmm. but just consciously, intentionally saying maybe the maybe the perspective maybe you're uh, you have a perspective that you're like oh my gosh this is so bad in pc world or in cancel culture i'm gonna say it anyway mm-hmm. say that to the person who you are closest to and say like i can't believe i think this but i really think this yeah and just practice like that moment of like opening up your shame box to somebody yeah. and then you can slowly gently start to do that with more people and and couching it in really soft language like um I'm embarrassed to say this but I have to say or I'm sorry I want to stay and keep listening but I'm just so tired like you don't have to come down with the world's most impressive boundary of like I have to go no explanation this this does not serve me yeah yeah (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) that's so true just really starting with tiny things where you actually start to give people the chance to reject you. Yeah. Which is really what it's about because that's when they're actually given the chance to truly love you. Mm, Absolutely. And you do a lot of breath work as well too. And so I have to imagine that, you know, breath work within this type of emotional healing is extremely powerful. Yes. Yes. It's super helpful for learning how to sit in discomfort And it builds up that muscle of just letting yourself be Mm. like, oh, God, this is hard and I'm going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And also meditation is huge for building a relationship with yourself Mm -hmm. and for for always finding that kernel of okayness Mm -hmm. within yourself Mm -hmm. for coming back and like, oh, like I really am safe. Mm -hmm. I really am okay. There really is access to love on a, you know, on like a woo woo level. There is access to love. Mm -hmm. And the more you remind yourself of that, the less you feel this like compulsion to try and eke love out wherever you can find it from other people. Mm -hmm. And you know what's so crazy is that when I started breathwork and meditation, I was like blown away how instant the access was. If you're open, if you allow yourself to be open, you will feel that hit immediately. And I was sitting on the other side of like, oh, this is going to take forever, you know, like shedding 10 pounds, like having to run every single day. But I went in so open and just so tired of my old self that I I remember the first breathwork course that I did, my whole body was like shaking a little bit. I was sobbing and I just had this deep hit of like, the love that I have in me is so overwhelming and it's for me. It was like the love I had for myself and I had never accessed that part of myself before I was introduced to breath work. So it is truly so, so powerful. Oh, I love that. It is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And there are gentle forms of it that are really easy and there are more hardcore forms Mm -hmm. that will shake up your body but it really is. And if you have trouble with meditation, which requires, you know, to sit, mm-hmm. there have been studies that have shown that women are actually better with meditation that has more movement involved. Mm-hmm. And so breath work is actually really great mm-hmm. for, for if you have trouble with the focusing, because mm-hmm. breath work kind of forces your focus and pulls you inward and shows you the power of your own body. And as you just expressed, also the strength and presence of 
of love, yep. which if you people please, it's just a testament to how much love you have to give. Yeah. And so this is, that's one beautiful way to tap into that for yourself and for others. Absolutely. And you offer um, breathwork classes, don't you? Yeah, I offer free breathwork live free breathwork sessions on Zoom. I offered those more during the, you know, high high point of the quarantine, although I still do that every now and then. So if you sign up for my newsletter on my website, you can get access to those. And I have also a stop-pleasing starter kit. Mm. It's five days. You download it, and each day you just do one thing. And I'm just, I mean, honestly, it's transformative. Like even doing one of the days is immensely transformative. What I've heard can happen for people, but all five together, it's really like doing your own mini retreat and really coming back to your true self and rebuilding your, your sense of personal worth. Oh, so good. I'll make sure to include those links in the show notes. And it that just goes back, like your five-day thing goes back to what you were saying about just start small. So that's so nice that there's something tangible for the listeners and even myself to, you know, get something in our inbox every day as a reminder. I will definitely be doing that. Um, before we dive into some rapid random fire questions, what is something that you don't want to leave this show without saying about people pleasing? Is there anything else on your heart or on your mind that you want to share and that you make sure people hear from you? Thank you for asking that because there is one more thing. I, I want to say that there is no shame in people pleasing. It is incredibly, incredibly normal. It is common and it has protected you from a lot of pain it is, it's an armor, it's a survival skill that has gotten you through hard moments. It mm. got me through really hard moments and it's given me skills that I use today and there is a life beyond it. But know that the, the people pleasing in your life has been there for a reason and there's no shame in it. It's helped you. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Okay. Are you ready for these rapid random fire questions? It's just a really lovely way for listeners to get to know you on just like a deeper level. So let me know if you're ready. Let's do it. Perfect. Okay. What would you say is the most common misconception about you? Where do people get it wrong? Oh, (laughs) that I'm boring. (laughs) That you're boring. (laughs) I think that I have just like a very pleasant face I have a pleasant vibe and I think that I'm I'm a lot more radical than I appear Mm, that's awesome if you could take a deep breath here and ask your soul what you think is the takeaway from this year of 2020 and what you think is to follow what would she say (sighs) she says that this year was about uncovering Mm. And next year is about, is about strengthening and changing what we uncover. Mm. Beautifully said. Are you a morning bird or a night owl? Morning bird. What is your morning routine? If you have one. It is, I am awoken by my dog (laughs) and I take him outside and make coffee. And then I... I just watch my dog run around um, on the dew on the grass for about 30 minutes while I just sit there. Oh my gosh, that sounds so nice. I want outdoor space so badly. I'm in a high rise. 
And I cannot wait for a yard. Yeah. We just got outdoor space. I'm like, I get it. Like, I get why people move to the suburbs now. It's a game changer. What is your favorite thing to spend money on? Candles. Ooh, same. (laughs) (laughs) Why are they so comforting? I don't know. I have like three going at all times. In relation to that question, if you had $100,000 but you could not invest it, use it towards charity, you couldn't spend it on family and friends, you had to buy something or some things, what would you spend it on? Okay. I would buy, um, do you know Everyday Oil? Oh, did you just say that? That is my favorite product on the planet. Uh, Yeah. I'm slathered in it right now. Yeah, it's like, Oh, really? Yeah, every day. It's the best. It's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. And I can only get it when I'm in the United States. Oh. So I see it as like liquid gold, this yep. precious item that I have to make last forever. Oh, totally. Yeah, I use it every single day. What's a piece of yourself that you celebrate daily? Oh, my freckles. I really love them. They are so cute. Are you reading anything <laughs> right now? Am I what? Are you reading anything right now? I am reading um, Tara Brock's Radical Compassion. So good. I'm, I'm rereading it constantly. I love that yeah, book. She's amazing. I love her Radical Acceptance book too. Oh, so good. Yeah. What is one thing that you struggle with most on a daily basis? I struggle most with... Um, being grateful for Mm. the way my dog interrupts my life (laughs) instead of, um, getting mad at him and trying to get my partner to deal with it. Yeah. That's such a sweet, honest answer that I think a lot of people can relate with, but they, they feel too like embarrassed to say that. I, I, I feel that where I'm like, oh, my God, my dog, like, he's so annoying and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, wait, what? Like, you are magical. I'm so sorry. I thought that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Magical and annoying. That is, like, the dog superpower. Yeah, 100%. So what are some of your vices? Oh, my vices are thinking I'm better than my boyfriend because I meditate. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and coffee. Yeah. What makes you feel your healthiest, both physically, mentally, and spiritually? Um, surfing. I feel oh. really I emotionally healthy when I'm just like completely wet with salt air and I'm waiting for a wave and I mm. just remember that you know not, none of it really matters except mm. getting to watch the sunset with people I love. Oh, that's beautiful. What is the most prized possession that you own? Oh, my God. I'm, like, seriously scanning my belongings <laughs> now. <laughs> my, um, what is it? My phone. <laughs> that's, my phone. A, that's a totally good answer. Yeah, that's honest. What is on your nightstand? A photo of my childhood home that my mom was in in Ohio and a photo of my best friend pregnant with her second child and holding her first child. Oh my gosh, that is so sweet. (laughs) 
If you were to give a TED Talk or speak at a conference about something that you're not known for, but that you're passionate about, what would your talk be on? Okay, it would be, I have a disability, a hands disability. Um, I can't really use my hands. So oh. it would be on living without your hands. Oh, that's so interesting. So is it like a motor issue? It is a nerve damage mm. issue from typing in the fetal position, essentially, for oh. 10 years. You're like, I have a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What are you grateful for right this minute? I'm grateful for this conversation mm. and, and for podcasts. Me too. Me too. And then lastly, where can people find you and follow along with you? They can find me on Instagram, Johanna Bogart coach and on my website if you sign up for my emails I don't send out a bunch but there's always um something free like a breath work or a meditation or a little tool that you can bring into your life and I love um I love the community I have and want more people to get to experience it Mm, yeah thank you so much for sharing your work with us there is just so much to digest here and Although it's my own podcast, I personally cannot wait to listen to this episode time and time again, I think, and I hope it's going to serve as a beautiful, healthy reminder for just people everywhere looking to reclaim, like we said, their inner freedom and release themselves of the pressure to please. So thank you so much for that. Oh, the pressure to please. You phrase it so well. (laughs) Thank you, Cassandra. I really loved this conversation you know, life moving forward and my relationships and how I show up for myself. So truly, I hope that it did the same for you. If you loved this episode, Johanna and I would be so grateful if you wanted to share it on Instagram. There is a graphic that I've created on my Instagram account. And if you want to just reshare that, that's awesome. Or leave a review. Um, Five stars is always welcomed, but whatever you feel is correct. Um, And also maybe just a little nugget on how this episode or this podcast has been landing for you. When you do leave a review or if you share um, the graphic on Instagram or you share that you've been listening to this episode, please just be uh, mindful and tag myself at the Calm Collective underscore or Johanna at Johanna Bogart Coach. Um, We will not only be so grateful, but I would love to send you a free gift, which is a uh, free print from my print shop. So when you do that, I will automatically send you the link to your DMs and you can have a free print at almost a $50 value. So just my way of saying thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful and I value each and every one of you more than you know.